house this morning. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for your power and your presence. God, I've asked and saturated this message, God, with prayer that you might change someone's life today. And God, I believe that this is a life-changing word that we're about to receive this morning. God, I believe that this word is given to us for this moment, for this time that we exist in, for this 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 calendar uh, experience that we're living through, God. These circumstances and situations and calamities and confusions, God, they have an answer, and that answer is found in and through and by your word. So, God, we give stability today through the word. We give hope today through the word. We increase faith today through this word. Allow me to be a vessel today, Lord, that uh, would allow your anointing to flow through me and touch people's hearts, their minds, their souls, and their circumstances today and let them leave differently than they came. In Jesus' mighty name, he's never lost a battle. Somebody say amen. Uh, hallelujah. You may be seated in his presence this morning. Thank you for being here. You look good. You're a good-looking 9 o'clock crowd this morning. Thank you for being here. Uh, this is typically our lowest Sunday of the, of the year, the Labor Day. Everybody's always trying to get that last little trip in or something uh, before uh, the, the leaves start changing. And, and me, people like me, folks like me, we just celebrating. Thank God this, the long, hot weather is over and it's about to cool off a little bit. And I'm not into that four foot of snow stuff. I know I see Sister Luann sitting back there and her and them horses like that deep snow. I ain't all about that either. But I have to say, the older I get, the more I can handle the snow, the more than I can the heat. So uh, I'm thankful. I, spring is a fun day in this area. In this area, yeah, it goes from it goes from 20 below to uh, you know to 65, and then the next day is 90. So spring's always a fun day. And and fall, we get about a week. We get about a week of fall, and then the snow starts flying. So I don't I don't know. When I was a kid, it seems like we had actual seasons. Now we just get teases. <laughs> but uh, this morning I'm going to be messaging, uh, bringing a message this morning out of Exodus chapter 15. Uh, we are still dealing with the series Under God. Everything is under Him. One of the things I'm going to talk about this morning is going to be something that affects every single life in this place. Not just your life, but your family. Not just your life and family, but your circumstances, your, which, which includes your, your health, your wellness, your completeness, your wholeness, your finances, your relationships. Because Exodus chapter 15 introduces to us an, a facet and an aspect and an and a attribute of God that you often lay claim to, but don't really, a lot of us, understand. Because we know that God is a healer. And when I say we know that God is a healer, we know that not only can God heal, but we know that God desires to heal. Can I hear somebody say amen? All you have to do is read the Gospels and see how Jesus matriculated himself around towns and cities and municipalities and, and healed people. That was what he, a lot of times that's what he came to do. He came into a town just to heal folks. And that's what we're going to get into this morning in Exodus chapter 15. I want to uh, give you an update. We are working uh, feverishly at, at the new facility. We are trying our very best. Um, I, I had a date in mind, which was October 4th. It's not going to happen. I don't want to set another date because 
I, I don't like setting dates and then missing them. That's twice we've missed it one time because of Corona. Uh, I guess you could probably uh, blame it for both of them, but it's just uh, we're trying our best. We're working as hard as we can. Uh, if anybody's got, you know, a pile of money we can throw at this problem, it'll go away real quick. So if you've got, like, Grandma's diamond ring, you've been meaning to say, where can I put this? This is a good place. Because uh, we got a lot of flooring, we got chairs we got to buy, we've got some sound equipment, things like that, that's just going to take up a lot of finances and not really uh, be able to uh, have church without some of these things. So, um, but we're trying, to, we're trying, we're working hard, and, and we're trusting God. So if, if you can't physically join us, join us in prayer. Uh, join us with giving. If you got, you know, if you, you got, the Lord's blessed you, uh, you know, if you want to put it in a good place, I, I know some chairs that need bought, and I, I know some uh, flooring that needs purchased, and we're, we've, we've decided we're going to do something with that balcony area out there, and we, we didn't budget for that originally, but what was there didn't work. So, uh, so we're, we're, uh, we're going to be trying to pray and believe God for financial healing. Amen. So this morning we're going to talk about something that I believe in this era that we're living in with this uh, mentality that has been forced on us because of this virus is a very important message because there is a growth of medical conditions that is happening. I'm hearing suicide rates go up. I'm hearing that people's mental state is on the decline. That people are struggling emotionally. I know that some people can't handle isolation. And when they were locked up for so long and when they were isolated and quarantined, uh, they struggled with that. And their mental state has not yet rebounded. Uh, there's a, a lot of hospitals that are full, not just from people with uh, respiratory issues, but people with emotional and, and, and mental problems. Counseling centers are full and having to turn people away. Psychologically, uh, people are suffering, and psychologists and psychiatrist offices are full. Uh, we're going through painful times and hurt and sickness and brokenness is everywhere. And the need to be made well is something that we all experience. And I'm going to talk to you this morning about how you're not just broken physically. Sometimes you're broken emotionally. Like, like most people uh, wake up every day and they have something that aches or hurts on their body. And I, I'm blessed. I, I, I've got arthritic knees and things like that. But I, I'm blessed. God has kept me healthy. But I, I, wholeness has more to do with just your body. Sometimes it's your emotions. Sometimes it's your relationships that's broken. Sometimes it's your situations that's broken. You go from uh, a financial calamity to storm to, I mean, you can't never get ahead. You take two steps forward. You take three steps back. Uh, sometimes the family, everything seems to be going fine, and you're sitting over in the corner. Everybody is celebrating because somebody just got out of jail, and, and somebody else just got into church, and you're sitting over in the corner chewing on your nails because you're waiting for the other shoe to drop because you know that something bad always follows something good. So, so I want to talk to you this morning about being healed, but not just healed physically, but healed and made whole. Because the, the name of God that we're going to deal with today is Jehovah Rophi. Now that means the Lord who heals. It's taken from a situation out of Exodus chapter 15. Now understand where we're at on the timeline of God's people in Genesis 15 or Exodus 15. Understand where we are. We just came through the Red Sea. The greatest miracle that these people have ever seen has just happened to them. And in Exodus 15, verse 22, the Bible says, So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, 
and they went out into the wilderness. Oh my goodness. They come through the best miracle they've ever had, they've ever experienced, and straight into a wilderness. Now I'm going to tell you something, and this really uh, is just going to set the, the, the format for my message. It's not the meaning of my message. But I know that we spend most of our spiritual journey trying to avoid the wilderness. But can I tell you that there is no road to the promised land that does not go through the wilderness. In other words, and I'm going to bring this back to your attention by the end of this message, if you're going to get to the promised land, you can't skip the wilderness. There is no highway that goes straight to blessing, to blessing, to blessing. You must endure the wilderness. The Bible goes on to say, and they went there three days in the wilderness and found no water. Verse 23 says, and when they came to Mara, remember that name, they could not drink the waters of Mara, for they were bitter. The name Mara means bitter. So they called this place Mara. So they came uh, through a miracle. It's amazing to me how fast we forget God's blessings. They came through a miracle. God has set them free. 430 years of living as slaves and God brought them out in one night. They were celebrating. Uh, Miriam was patting her tambourine. The women were dancing and singing. They were celebrating Jesus. And then three days with no water and they do what most of us start doing. Verse 24, they started complaining. They murmured against Pastor Moses. And ask, what shall we drink? They are three days away from a miracle. It does not take long for Thanksgiving to transform into complaining. I mean, we just lose all sense of direction when we get put up against the wall. And I'm not talking to all of you, but I am talking to the person beside of you. Everybody that serves the Lord has this tendency to forget, and we don't just do it to God. We are bad at doing it to each other. I am lived enough days and pastored enough folks for me to know that I am only as good to you as my last good deed to you. I, I can be there for you for 20 years and not show up one time, and that pastor ain't no good. I can do everything, go above and beyond, leave my own family to go and join your family to do things, but the first time you expect me to do something that I don't do, you'll leave me and go to another church. I've lived enough days to realize that. You need to realize some of your marriages is like that. You have went above and beyond and above and beyond, and they don't show you any gratitude. We're selfish we are self-centered. That's what's happening here. Now, verse 24 says they murmured against Moses and they said, what are we going to drink? And I want to ask the question sometimes to God, God, why am I going through this? I mean, sometimes when I am up against something that I don't understand, it's not because I don't have adequate help. It's not because I'm not strong enough. God's made me healthy. God's kept me uh, sane this long. He's even brought some people alongside of me. But sometimes I'm like, God, why are you allowing me to go through this? Does anybody else ever question, God, why, why this? Why me? Why now? Well, verse 25 tells us. Moses cried to God, and the Lord answered him, showed him a tree, 
which he, when he had cast it into the waters, the bitter waters became sweet. There he made for them a statue and ordinance, and there, look at that word, he tested them. Oh my goodness. You mean to tell me that God brought me into a bitter place just to test me? Are you kidding me? Are you trying to tell me that God has brought me to a bitter place? Mara means bitter. Do you mean to tell me that God has so transitioned me out of a good blessing, out of the best season I have ever had, and He transitioned me into a bitter place, and it's not the devil's fault? It's not my abusive father's fault. It's not my husband's fault. It's not my wife's fault. You mean to tell me God brought me here to test me? Uh, God will always test you to see whether or not you paid attention to what He's already taught you. See, I can stop preaching right there and tell you you've been to church already. Because we gather in the house at least one time a week. Most of you are pretty stable and pretty consistent that at least one time a week you're gathering in the house of God. And what do we do when we come into this house? We always give you a word. And sometimes we feel like that if we show up, we brush our teeth, run a comb through our hair, and show up and listen to what that word is, that's enough. But you have to understand, you are never blessed with information without a follow-up exam on what you have been taught. No teacher that is worth their salt will ever just give you uh, some, some kind of verbatim uh, information without, first giving, without later giving you an examination to make sure you have experienced the information, not just consumed the information. And God is a good teacher. Can I hear somebody say amen? So when He gives you information, He's not just going to give it to you in the form uh, of something you consume, but He is going to put you in through a test to see if what he revealed to you, you will live it out. Now, there was probably a million different ways God could have fixed this water problem. Just like there was probably a million different ways he could have gotten them out of Egypt. He didn't have to split the Red Sea. What a big old dramatic way to do that. I mean, he could have just made all the Egyptians fall asleep. And Israel could have just walked out. I, he, he, he could have, uh, like he does later in the wilderness, he could have put a veil of darkness in between Egypt and Israel and just let Israel sneak out. There was a lot of ways God could have brought them out. What a big old dramatic show that God put on. I mean, he let Egypt just, just get right up against them, and at the last minute he lets Moses stretch out a rod, and then he just rolls back this great big body of water. He rolls it back, congealed is what the Bible says, the sides, which in other words means they were frozen. That means God blew his own breath and split the Red Sea, and the Red Sea stood up. And not only did it stand up, he blew the footprints dry. Anybody that's ever went wade fishing, anybody that's ever swam in a swimming hole in the summertime in a creek or a stream or a river, you know that when you get down deep in that muck and mire, you'll draw your foot out and your shoe will stay in there because that muck and stuff. And, and, and yet God, when he, whew, ruach, when he blew his breath, not only did the water stand up, but he blew the ground dry so they crossed on dry ground. What a big old show-off God was. He didn't have to do it that way. There was a million different ways God could have brought them out. The reason God does things in unorthodox ways is because He doesn't want to make sense to us. 
Because if you can solve problems by doing things in a way that makes sense to you, you will stop trusting in God. If God could just give you a money tree in your backyard, to every time you had a bill, you just went out there and plucked you a 20 or a 50 or, or one of them big fat Benjamins, and you just went out there and every day, oh, you'd sing all the way to the money tree. I mean, every day you'd be out there, thank you, Jesus, that my God is a good God, and you'd be plucking all that money, but you would stop seeking Him. So He does things in unorthodox ways because He wants to make sure that when He shows up, you don't take no credit for it. He wants to make sure that when he shows up, you say, there ain't no way this happened but God. This had to be the Lord. I mean, there is no way this would have worked out the way it worked out. This had to. He doesn't want you to confuse him with your Aunt Ethel. He doesn't want you to confuse him with the devil. He doesn't want you to confuse him with your work ethic. He wants you to make sure that you know when he shows up, that was the Lord. And so here he shows up, and the Bible says, which leads us to his name, verse 26. And here is where I'm going to spend the rest of my time talking to you. I'm going to break this, this scripture down in various different components. And he said, this is God, or this is Moses speaking. If you will hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and will do what is right in his sight. Stop right there. If you will listen and do it. Don't that sound easy? But we're parents here. How often did you tell your kids, this is really simpler than you're making it. Just do what I say. You're making this harder than it needs to be. You little heathen. You're acting just like your mama. Yeah, Every one of us knows what it feels like to instill things in our children. And then watch them do the exact opposite of what we told them was good and healthy and how you can get blessed. This is how you can get blessed. Just show up and brush them teeth and show up and, and do what I tell you to do and keep your room clean and do what I tell you to do and you'll be blessed. And you'll watch them, lead, yes, yes, mommy, yes, mommy, yes, mommy, leave the room and do exactly what you said don't do. It's as if it goes in one ear. And I used to make fun of my mother for telling me stuff like it goes in one ear and out the other. And then I had children. And I saw it go in one ear and not even stay a little while. Just roll right out the other side as if I was talking in tongues. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? You have no excuse. I told you, and then I told you again, and again. What is, am I the only parent that's ever done this? Look at your kid and say, what is wrong with that child? Like, you don't want to say it up to their face, but like when they leave the room, you're like, what is wrong with that? Look, listen, Jesus, you need to heal their head because they don't, they ain't right. Something is wrong with that child. They don't understand just simple stuff. Like, don't do that. And then they turn around and do that. What is wrong <laughs> Do you ever think maybe God looks at some of us and just kind of looks over at Jesus who's sitting at his right hand and says, what's wrong with that child? Like I've told him over and over and over again not to do that. Here's what he says. If you will listen and do it, give ear to his commandments 
and keep his statutes. Uh huh. Obey him. Here's what he says. If you will listen and do, if you'll hear me and obey, here's what he says. I will put none of these diseases on you that I have brought on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who healeth thee. Now this is where I'm going to spend the rest of my time breaking this. I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to use different components to look at this concept. But what I want you to see here is that he used this water, this bitter water at Mara to teach them a lesson. And the lesson was about his name. And his name means I can heal you. And it's not just a physical healing. Notice, notice, when they came out of Egypt... The Bible says that one point, there's somewhere around, estimated, somewhere around 1.7 million Israelites came out of Egypt. And the Bible says in the book of Psalms that none of them were sick. None of them needed glasses. None of them needed a wheelchair. None of them needed a heart monitor. They didn't have no sleep apnea. None of them. In one night through the Passover meal, God had healed every one of them and brought them out whole. So when they got three days later to the water of Marah, they weren't needing a physical healing. But they still needed a healing. So there are things in your life that God wants to heal. And they're not all physical. We know God is a physical healer. But Jehovah Rapha is more than just a physical healer. He can heal broken hearts. He can heal emotional baggage. He can heal troubled marriages. He can heal relationships. He can heal your, your, your inability to love yourself. Do you hear what I'm saying this morning? If you have a, an affliction, He's your answer. But He wants to make us whole. Now, now, they came to this water and it was bitter, it was polluted, it was diseased. And God said, I turned that thing around and I made it usable and I made it fresh. But I did not send you through that test just so you could get good cold water. I sent you through the test. I'm going to say nothing this morning as important as what I'm about to say. I sent you through that test not so you could get water, but that so you could know me. Do you understand that every single time God puts you through something, it's not so He can give you the blessing that's at the end of that. He brought you to that blessing because He wanted you to learn something about Himself. Because by the time you get to that blessing, by the time you get to that deliverance, by the time you get to that healing, by the time you get to that breakthrough, He has already taught you what, you wanted, what He wanted you to know. you got to understand, we think that the prize is wholeness. We think that the, the end result is our miracle and our healing. No, 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 no. God said, you don't get it. But, that's not the most important transaction that happened here. The most important thing was that between here and there and there and here, you didn't quit. Between here and there and there and here, you kept moving. When you felt like giving up, you kept going. When you thought you was about to die, you kept believing. When you thought that nobody was listening and heaven was shut up, you kept praising. You don't understand. Getting that thing is not the, the best thing that happened to you. The best thing that happened to you was that in the middle of all of it, you said, even if you kill me, God, I'm going to serve you. So he brings them through a test, and it's not about water. He said, I want you to know something about me that you don't know right now. 
I'm going to give you a name that I've never revealed to you before. I'm going to explain something to you about myself. I am Jehovah Rophe, the God who heals you. So I can give you a point of reference for my name. And here's how he says, I'll prove it to you. I won't put any of the diseases on you that I put on Egypt. In other words, it's possible for God's people to be going through the same hardship as the world. It is, it is just as possible for you to have messed up marriages as it is the world. It's just as possible for you to get cirrhosis of the liver as it is the drunk. It's just as possible for you to need a therapist as it is the world. Because if you adopt the world's lifestyle, you will adopt the world's problems. I wish I had about 45 minutes to just preach right there and get all sweated up and have you, have you uh, bumping and jumping to make the Lord feel something because the problem that we run into so often in the world is that we think that if we come to church on Sunday, it somehow gives us an elite status with heaven and makes us exempt from all the world's problems. But here's what God wants you to know about himself. God said, I won't put these things on you, but it does not say you can't put these things on yourself. God says, I won't put this stuff on you. The things I put on Egypt, I won't put it on you. But if you live in Egypt and live like the Egyptians and have what the Egyptians have, you can put it on yourself. And God says, I'm not going to keep you from what you want. And if you really want to be like them, I'm going to let you be a free bird and fly away. Wow. See, nobody talks about this stuff anymore. Just because you're saved, that does not protect you from stuff. Especially stuff that you chase after. Some of God's people shouldn't be going through the, same, the stuff that they're going through. They should not be experiencing the same thing that their unsaved relatives are experiencing. But because they adopt the same worldview as the unsaved, they reap the repercussions of the worldview. And they have joined that world. And with that world that they want comes the world's problems. Now I notice somebody's looking at me saying, Pastor, I don't do anything. I don't serve other gods. I don't live worldly. I don't do anything of that sort. But not so fast. Slow down a minute. Because the world doesn't just operate in sin. The world also operates in fear. And in doubt. And in criticism. And some of us, not you, but your neighbor, some of us don't understand that there's problems in the world that aren't necessarily sinful, but they sure do invite some trouble into our life. See, see, see when the world's money starts acting funny, they get tight. They panic. We're not supposed to do that. But if I get in a tight spot, I can talk myself into getting stingy with the God who gave me everything. 
because I'm living more like the Egyptians than I am the Israel. Y'all ain't going to help me here. But see, I can be spending my time in God's house but still living totally like I'm an Egyptian because just because I'm in the house don't mean I have adopted the lifestyle. I can come to God's house and still be cantankerous. I can come to God's house and still be mean as a junkyard dog. You can come to church and put on a smile and everybody thinks you're so sweet. And when you leave the room, they say, oh, she's so sweet. I just love her. She is always so cheerful. She makes me feel so good. She is the epitome of what a godly woman looks like. And go home and become a barracuda. Rip that face off and get in your husband's face and tell him no good. Tell him how he's nothingness. Tell him that you wish you'd never married him. And and come back to church the next Sunday and everybody thinks you're so sweet. Now none of y'all ever do this, but there's some churches, churches out there that got people like this. The problem is, just because God relocated them doesn't mean He remodeled them. He got them out of Egypt in one night. Took Him 40 years to get Egypt out of them. And some trouble is going to come our way. And some stuff has come our way and stayed longer than it should have because we have adopted the worldview of Egypt even though God has brought us into His house. When we got marriage problems, we're not supposed to handle them like the unsaved folks do. You hear me? You're better than that. You're one of God's kids. We're not supposed to be get bitter. Oh, we got, my whole amen committee resigned on that one point. I ain't even got mean yet. We're God's children. We're not supposed to hold resentment. We're not supposed to become hateful and have affairs. Because we ain't getting love at home. That's not the way we're supposed to handle our marriage. And if we do, we will end up with the same mess that the world does. And it's not God's fault. Our marriage ends up just as diseased as the world is. And it's not because he's not Jehovah Rophi. It's not because he's not our healer. It's because we did not execute according to his plan for us. You go home today and you look in your medicine cabinet. You probably got something for everything. I know we do. When you got kids, yeah, we, got, we got stuff for running noses. And, and they, they act like one medicine will do it. But when I look at my cabinet, my wife don't believe that. They say they got that one that's for nighttime sneezing, coughing, aching, stuffy head fever, so you can rest medicine. You know, you just need that one. Just take NyQuil. Just go to bed. My wife got the NyQuil, and then she got another brand, and she got another brand, and she got a peel, and she got a this, and this thing you squirt up your nose, and some drops you put on stuff. I look at that medicine cabinet sometimes. She'll say, go get the whatever. I, I'm confused. I'm like, I'm a pastor. I do not have a pharmaceutical degree. I don't feel qualified to take none of this. Because everything I read all says the same thing to me. And their name's about this long. I mean, can't it just say pain relief? Can't it just say toe medication? Why has it got to be a 752-syllable word? I don't understand any of it. And the problem, it, it, the problem is you go to your medicine cabinet and you got stuff to help you sleep. You probably got stuff for colds and stuff for cuts and, and scrapes. And, and, and you got a medicine cabinet to address all those problems. But if the problem is serious enough, won't none of that do. You need to go to see a doctor and get a prescription. Because without a doctor's authorization there is medicine that will help you 
and you can't get it. Until you get somebody more qualified than you to write out a prescription, there is stuff that can help your problem that you don't have access to until you go to the right person and get their assistance to open the door to the blessing that you de- you can cry and it won't work. You can throw things against the wall and it won't work. You can go outside and kick the dog and wreck the car and won't none of it help you until you go see the right person to help you in your situation. And then we have the audacity to go see one of these professionals that we know is the gateway to our healing. And when they give us instructions, we think we know better than they do. It'll look at that pill bottle and we'll say, this thing says take it twice a day. This don't make sense. I don't like this. I'm going to take it once every other day. You can't boss me around, doctor. You can't tell me what to do. This is still America. And we start leaning on our own understanding. You know what the Bible says? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your understanding. And in all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. And here's what it says. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Uh huh. And fear the Lord and depart from evil. Did you hear what he just said? Fear me and run away from evil. And this is what he says. It'll bring health to your flesh and strength to your bones. And some of you are wondering, God, why won't you heal me? And God's saying, why won't you come to me? I have got a prescription for your healing. And I know you come to church on Sunday. I know you sit there and clap when the preacher's preaching. I know you raise your hands while the singing going on, but you ain't come to my office yet because I would write you a prescription that would say you can't live in that lifestyle and receive the benefits. You can't have that hateful attitude and get my healing. I'm trying to heal you, but you're going to have to follow my prescription. Listen to what he tells us. He says, it'll bring healthy of flesh. Do you need a healing? He says, get away from evil. You can't do what you want to do six days a week and pray for healing on Sunday. That's not the way this works. You're not following the prescription. And at some point, if you're going to take the medication the way you want to, I mean, what does he know? He only spent 10 years practicing medicine. Before, after he spent 10 years studying it, he can't tell me what to do. I know my body. You know a pancreas from a toenail. There's some science that went into this. They didn't just willy-nilly start writing you off some stuff. Let's try this. They have practiced. I know they're not perfect, but they're better than I am. They know more than I do. And when you go and if you don't follow their prescription, how are you going to get mad at the doctor? When you don't get better. And God says the lesson I want to teach you at Mara, which is bitterness, is that if you'll follow my prescription, you will get my healing. So we got so many people that come to God for healing. 
Healing with my emotions, healing with my attitude, healing with my relationships, healing with my body, healing with my finances, healing with my business, healing with my salvation. I need you, God, to heal me. But we're not being touched physically or emotionally or circumstantially or relationally because we're not taking his medication and we're not following his prescription. You're taking your own medicine. You're taking your co-workers, your uncle who gave you some kind of foolish advice, your cousin. We're taking medicine and we're getting upset with God because we're not getting better. When God, and then God gives them an object lesson. He says, Moses, take that tree. There's a tree. There's bitter water. You're thirsty. You haven't drank in three days. You need a healing. Here's how I'm going to do it. Throw that tree in the water. That don't make no sense, God. God says, exactly. You don't understand this medicine. They don't teach that in medical school. They won't teach you this down at the water purification plant. They won't train you how to do this because I'm Jehovah Rapha. I am your healer. And even though this is unorthodox, I want you to trust me enough that when I tell you it'll work, it'll work. And then watch what I do in your bitter situation. God says, I want you to trust me enough that when I tell you if you want friends, be friendly, try me. He says, I want you to trust me enough that when I tell you to tithe and see if I won't bless what you got less, try me. He says, I want you to trust me enough that when I tell you to turn the other cheek, try me. When, I want you to trust me enough that when it feels unorthodox and don't make no kind of sense at all, when I tell you that to, 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 to not stay up late and rise early and to stop depending on yourself and, and, and trust me to provide for you, try me. He says, I want you right now, if you will surrender to me, I will bring healing to all parts of your body but you're going to have to do it the way I tell you to do it I've never told you to work yourself to death I've never told you to be hateful I've never told you to hold on to grudges I've never told you to still be mean about something that happened to you when you were seven years old I've never told you to hold on to those things and that's why you're not well that's why I can't heal you because I've wrote you a prescription you have yet to follow not only did the water stop being bitter, here's what the Bible says. Not only did the water stop being bitter, it became sweet. <sighs> See, sometimes you take that over-the-counter stuff and it, it takes a while to kick in and it don't last too long. But I don't take medicine. Like, I take, I don't take pain medicine. So ibuprofen, like, what's that one that, that you give me? The 800, is it 800, that one pill? ibuprofen that would work on me like I take 800 milligram ibuprofen and I feel like I could run through a troop and leap through a wall leap over a wall some y'all like ibuprofen I need some of that good stuff <laughs> like ibuprofen ain't nothing pastor I talk to I, I talk about ibuprofen to somebody like Kristen Kristen's like Pfft. I eat ibuprofen in a bowl of milk for cereal in the morning. I, ibuprofen is nothing. You got to have that stuff that comes in them orange bottles with a prescription on the front of it. But here's the thing. One time I had a tooth cut out, and they gave me some of them. I took one. I didn't wake up for three days. Like, I was in the bed, and I remember it was Monday. I woke up Wednesday. It's time for church. What happened to Tuesday. 
I slept, and I, it wasn't like my wife kept coming in there and slipping stuff down my throat. I took one pill, knocked me out. I think it was a horse tranquilizer. I mean, that stuff shouldn't even be legal for somebody to take it on Monday morning and wake up Wednesday evening. That shouldn't even be legal. Like, my body could have shut down. I just went on to glory. House would have burned down. They would have had to have carried me out on somebody's back. I didn't know I was in the world because I don't take that stuff, so my body's not used to it. So when I do take it, it kicks me like a mule. Some of y'all, some of y'all take them by the fistful. Every day you live and breathe. Because you got a pain here and an ache there and a dysfunction over here and a circumstance over there. And you got a pill for that and an ointment for that and a liniment for that. And you're taking this and you're taking that. And your body has built up a system that is immune to, to the medicine, but it's not yet immune to the pain. And some of us have gathered in the house of God for a long time. And we have been getting a steady dose of the medication. The Holy Ghost has been working on you for a long time. You have been hearing the Word of God for a long time. You know what the ailment is. You know what the cure is. But you have got built up an immunity against the pain and you keep taking medicine. But it ain't doing you any good because you no longer feel the pain of the problem and you think you're okay. But you need healing. So he turned the bitter water sweet. Is it possible? Is it possible? Don't look at your mate. Look right here at me. Is it possible that God can take a bitter marriage and make it sweet? Is it possible that God can take your bitter attitude and make it sweet? Is it possible that God can take a bitter financial history where you have always lived broke and always lived hand to mouth and give you a sweet retirement? I'm living proof that God can take something bitter make it sweet and I'm not what I should be but I'm a whole lot better than I used to be and if life has turned bitter on you and you have found yourself in a bitter place he wants you to know that if you'll follow his prescription he's got the answer for you you know what the problem is and I'm just going to leave you with this thought I'm not even going to get to the last verse you go to a car wash my wife likes to go to that one downtown or they pull it through. You just sit there. And you just pull just pulls your car through. And you, you, the car comes in dirty on one end. And it comes out clean on the other. I have to get my suits dry cleaned. Dry cleaning is a funny thing because they go in one way and they come out another. And I don't ever see the process. I come into the dry cleaner, I hand it to him, I say, I need this back whenever you get to it. And I give it to him dirty. I get it back. It's on a hanger. It's pressed. It don't smell like funk no more. It's wrapped up in a plastic bag. It went in one way and it came out. I didn't see the process. But I know something they did back there took that dirty thing and made it clean. 
And let me ask you why a car can go in dirty and come out clean and a coat can go in dirty and come out clean and you come to church every Sunday and don't come out clean, that don't make no sense to me because you are coming to the healing balm of Gilead. You are coming to the place where the river of life brings life to everything that it touches. There ain't no sense in the world for somebody to gather in God's house constantly and come in dirty and leave that way. That is not the prescription he wrote for you. He wants you to have a better life than that. Hit, let God heal you. Uh, the key to our healing is being submissive to his divine authority based on his word. You can't have contradictions in your life and expect to be made whole. You can't come to church on Sunday and, and live like Egypt the rest of the week. That's a contradiction. You ever... Oh, good Lord, I'm about to tell on myself. You ever met somebody's kids after you have listened to them describe them kids? Like they told you what a good kid they were. And they, I mean, they just always building up their baby. How sweet they are. How, you know, how much personality they have. Translation, when a parent says kid has personality, means they can't sit still. Means they don't ever shut up. Mama says personality. Everybody else says ADHD. <laughs> Mama can't say that. So Mama says, oh, she's so full of personality. And after you have met the kid, after you heard him describe the kid, you're looking at that kid going, where's the kid she always talking about? Am I the only one? <laughs> like, like, you hear her talk about him, and, and after you meet him, you're like, where's this good kid at? Because this kid is under the table. Like, you like her, but, like, you want to throw that kid behind a bus or something? Because, like, they're up under the table pouring milk in your pocketbook while you're having a conversation up top. They're in a restaurant, and they're pinching the people behind you and pulling their hair and stuff. You know, you're trying to have a conversation, and, shh, and mama is oblivious. I'm telling all my secrets. Like, you're in your head. It, with your mouth, you're having a conversation, but in your head, you're screaming. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, like y'all are talking, y'all are talking like, you know what, girl, I found these shoes, they was on sale, and in your head you're screaming going, why don't you stop that monster before we get thrown out of the restaurant? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, like you're talking to her, but you're watching the kid, like your eyes are like, don't you see what's going on over there? This kid, don't, don't you hear her? She has been screaming for 45 minutes. I need a Prozac and a nap. I don't know how you put up with, does anybody know what I'm talking about? That's a contradiction. Two people hear the same kid. One of them hears personality. The other one hears institution. Medication. That's a contradiction. God feels the same way about some of us. He sees us on Sunday and everybody else sees us. And you're like, oh, you know what? That, that woman just loves the Lord. You see her on Sunday. Who's she loving Monday? Because God sees more than you see. 
And you see her Facebook posts, and you see her in the sanctuary on Sunday, but God sees her while she's trifling. Y'all ain't going to help me. God sees her on Friday nights, and God sees her at work, and hears them words comes out of her mouth. God sees what's on her phone. God, God sees what goes through private messages and DMs and stuff that you don't know nothing about, and you come to church on Sunday, and it's a contradiction. And you wonder, why, why ain't she getting healed? Why isn't this? Why do, I don't understand why God don't do things for good people. First of all, you don't know who's good. And the Bible says none of us is good. There was only one good, and he was the Father. And, and there's a reason he says that, because ain't none of us as good as you think we are. And so, so, so you're gauging it with a broken gauge, and you're saying, well, I don't understand why good people go through this, and I don't understand why this person suffers, because sometimes, and you may not even know about it, there's a contradiction. But God says, if you will bring me into your bitter situations, not only will I heal the bitterness, I'll make it sweet. When I was a little kid, nothing better than going into the garden and getting a big old watermelon and slicing that thing in half. I'd stick my whole head down in that thing. But before I did that, I did something that some people think is gross and contradictory. I'd get the salt shaker. I always carried Grandma's salt shaker to the garden because I didn't care if it was cucumber time or tomato time or watermelon time. It was all getting salted. And Grandma would come with me, uh, me with a switch because I'd always have her salt shaker out in the garden. And some people say, how are you going to put something salty on something sweet? And you don't understand. You don't understand. What got you here is that when you put salty on sweet, it makes the sweet sweeter it makes the juicy juicier and so some of y'all went through the salty time so you would appreciate the blessing of the sweetness that God's brought you to some of y'all don't understand why did I have to go through this why did my marriage fall apart why did I go bankrupt why did I lose that job why is this person always against me why is my family struggling always why are we always going through this you don't understand it's God testing you number one to see if you know who he is and you're going to trust him all the way through the process but so when you finally get to the sweet part you're going to say you know what I wouldn't even appreciate this if I hadn't went through the salty part first because now that I've gotten here and gotten delivered gotten healed gotten my miracle our families come through this man it gets Sweeter as the days go by. Somebody give God some praise in this church. I didn't even get to the end of this, but that's a good place to stop. Don't take it out on God when you ain't following His prescription. Don't, 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 don't fuss at Him. Don't get sideways with Him if you're not following doctor's orders. It's not His fault if things aren't working out in your life the way you think they should because he wants to bless you he's wanting to bring some sweetness out of your bitterness but he's waiting on you to come all the way out of Egypt and to stop celebrating on Sunday and living the way you want to through the week don't fall apart this too shall pass And it does get sweeter as the days go by. Father, I pray that this word be hidden in our hearts. We're living in troubled times, God, and fear is around every corner, causing so many of us, Lord, to fall into the same dysfunction as the world. 
But we don't have to, Lord, because we have your word, we have your comfort, and we have your spirit. So mindfully, we come to you today, God. Spiritually, we come to you. And emotionally, we come to you. And we give ourselves to you. Heal us, Jehovah Rophe. Make us whole. Make us just as much yours on Tuesday as we are on Sunday. And bring wholeness to our bodies, our minds, our spirits, and our souls. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you. Thank you for being here. God bless you this morning. Good morning.